to go and to make disciples, to reach others, and to and to do everything that we can to try to uh, spread this gospel, this truth that we have. It's something that is deep within me, and uh, and 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 I hope that uh, during my during our, our our years here, our time here that I'm able to make some connection. I feel weird sometimes. We're, we're going to get into the scripture in a minute, and I, I just want to share with you, I feel weird sometimes that the only people that I really know in O'Fallon and in this area are church people, whether it's uh, from the Lighthouse or friends of mine from Bible College or, or surrounding churches, you know. And, and um, I don't really have anyone that I'm connected with that... I am um, I'm sharing the gospel with, that I am uh, evangelizing to. And evangelizing isn't necessarily what a man does whenever he hits the road and begins preaching from a pulpit out of a travel trailer, right? Evangelizing is something that we are all called to do and to, uh, to reach and to preach the gospel. And whether that be behind a pulpit or from uh, to a co-worker or someone. And it's something that I'm passionate about and I want to try to figure out a way to get connected. I, I may just start knocking doors myself around the apartment complex that I live in, try to make connection with someone to be able to, to work with because it's something that, I, um, that I, I love and I want to be more involved in, and it's something that we all have a calling to be a part of, that we all have a calling to be a part of. Our text tonight is Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22. This says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw, um, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called after them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Tonight, um, I want to preach to you a sermon entitled, An Emergency Call. An Emergency Call. Uh, Something that I... um, Again, that I am um, passionate about something that that I believe that we need to take part in, and uh, that we need to to direct ourselves uh, towards at all times and all places. Um, this story in our scripture text, we are hearing and observing the first calling of the disciples. Of Jesus, this is covered in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, and each account uh, is giving a notice to certain details. and And the event kind of plays out like this: that Jesus is uh, walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he sees uh, two brothers, Peter and Andrew, and he says to them, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." And the Bible says that straightway that they left their nets and they followed after him, and Going a little further, he sees two brothers and their father within this ship or within this boat. And he says, he calls out to, uh, to James and to John and to their father Zebedee. And he, and he calls to them and he says uh, to, to follow him. And immediately James and John left the ship and their father 
and they followed after Jesus. We find a similar account um, for, for another disciple named Matthew where Jesus is, is making contact with him and he says, follow me, simply these two words, follow me. And Matthew leaves all and he arose and followed after Christ. I have often wondered as I read through these scriptures and, and I try to put myself a lot of times in the same shoes as, as the, the characters in the Bible and I often wonder what it was that went through their mind, what it was that, 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 had, that, that, that Jesus said to them beyond what we find in the scripture here where he says, follow me, that left the disciples to, to decide that they wanted to leave everything that they have ever known and to begin to follow after Jesus. The scholars believe that Zebedee was one of the wealthiest fishermen of the day, that his sons in return would, would be very well to do and have a lot uh, to be living for and a lot to uh, follow after their father for, that, that, there would be a, uh, that there would be a lot of monetary value in the life that they were living and for them to leave everything and to begin to follow Christ. What was it that was a draw and a call for them to receive and to go and follow him? Matthew, Matthew was in a good place. He was a tax collector. He had an advantage over people. And he was, he was again, in a very great place for monetary value. So what was it? What happened that day? What was it about Jesus? What was it that he said that inspired them so greatly that they left everything that they had and followed a man that appeared to have nothing to offer them? What caused them to go? This question may never be answered, but what we do know is that there was an urgency about the call of Christ, that the disciples, whenever they heard the call and whenever he said whatever he said to them, that they understood there was an urgency that they must go. Every account uses words like straightway and immediately and left all and followed him. That, that there was a, a, a fact that they knew that they, that they didn't have time to wait but that they must go right now. There was something about the petition of Christ on them that they could not wait one more day, that they could not wait another hour, that they could not wait until the next cast of the net or the next person to pay them that right now I must go and follow him. There was an urgency. Something stood out that caused them to say, I must respond and I must respond now. There was an urgency to the call to follow after him. In, in my years of, of emergency services work in firefighting, police, and some EMS work that I've done, there were times that we would receive all types of calls. You, I, could, I could stand up here until tomorrow and tell you story after story of, of serious calls and, and funny calls and calls that were somewhere in between, a little bit serious and funny at the same time, but just things that would happen. And, and every time that, we would, that the radio would go off and, and they would give us a call, it was always a flip of the coin, whether it was going to be something real serious that we had to rush to or if it was going to be something 
that wasn't really that serious that we could kind of take our time to get there. We did get nine emergency calls. This happens probably more with the police than it does with any other area. But a lot of times, and, and I, I went through this a lot as a child, I would get a bicycle for Christmas, right? And, uh, and I would love that bicycle so much that at night I would leave it out on the sidewalk. And I would wake up the next morning very excited to ride my bicycle only to find that someone had taken it. And I would rush to my dad and say, Dad, someone has stolen my bicycle. And I would try to convince him that I left it by the house with the chain on and he knew that was a lie. But someone had taken it and he would call the police and he would make a report. Now that might not be something that you do in O'Fallon, the big city here, but in Carothersville, that's what we did. We called the police and the cops would ride around and look for my bicycle. It's very cool. It's like Mayberry. Oh, Andy would go out looking, <laughs> looking for my bike. But the thing is, is that out of all the times that this happened, out of all the times that this happened, I never once had a police officer come flying around the corner, lights and siren, trying to get there to take the report of my bicycle because it was a non-emergency call. In the middle of the night, you're sitting there, and then all of a sudden the pictures on the wall start shaking. And it's not an earthquake, but it's your neighbor next door having a party. Right? It's a loud music call, and we answered a lot of those as police officers. But never did we ever go flying lights and siren because someone's peace was being disturbed by music. It was a non-emergency call. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll waste a, a minute here and tell you that there was a time that we played a prank on a new officer and um, we had a loud music call and we, um, we keyed up the radio and any time that you're driving in a police car and you, and you turn on your siren and you talk on the radio, you can hear the siren in the background and everybody else knows that you're running your siren. Well, it was a loud music call and we keyed up and we asked that officer if he was going, but we had turned on our siren. And then we turned it off, and he responded to us. And then we turned the siren back on and said, all right, we're going to. And then he asked, are you running your lights? Because he was confused at why we were going to, that we were running emergency to a non-emergency call. And, uh, and then we sat around the corner and watched him racing down the road with his lights and siren on for no reason going to a loud music call. And this is, you know, a way that we would prank the new guys. But normally, we would never run emergency to a call like this in firefighting, my neighbor, uh, it, it would we'd get calls that would say my neighbor is burning a burn pile that's too big. Please come check it out. We're not running lights to that. I I can see smoke outside. I'm not sure what it is, but I think something may be on fire. We're going to just drive over there and check that out. If someone has has fallen and they just need to get back up, but they're not injured, we're just going to go very slowly over there and carefully and help them. Up. But in, in these kinds of calls, we, we, we don't run our lights and sirens. The, the reason is because the risk associated is not great enough to constitute using uh, our, the, these, these tools that we have and, and the danger that it would cause to the community. However, there were times when we would drop everything. Whenever the call would come over the radio or the tones 
would go off and we would listen to the dispatcher say there's an accident with the person trapped inside or they would say we can hear children screaming in the background. We would hear the two words that no one ever wants to hear, shots fired or officer needs assistance and they would say things in the middle of the night like burglary in progress and they have themselves shut in the bathroom. They can hear people in their house or that a house is on fire and someone is inside and these moments would constitute an emergency response like no other. We would leave everything that we would do that we were doing and we would push the limits and we would go a little faster and we would take a little more risk and we did this because the reward of getting there just a couple minutes quicker was worth the risk that we were putting the community in. There was an emergency taking place that 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 required for us to go a little faster, to be a little more urgent. We understood that there was something that was that was happening that could cost someone their life. And I believe that that this may have been what happened on this occasion that that we find in the scripture here that that in something that Jesus said to the disciples, they understood that this was not just another occurrence on any other day, that this wasn't just something that was happening that we deal with all the time, but something was going on here that that was an emergency call that had some urgency to it, that when Jesus petitioned the disciples, whatever he said and whatever they saw, they knew it was a matter of life or death and it constituted an emergency response. It meant enough to them that they would drop whatever they were doing, put everything else in their life on hold. The disciples put their career on hold. They, they turned their own passions and, de- and desires over. And, and any, any sustenance for the day, they put that on hold. And, and their money and their comfort, they put it all on hold to answer an emergency call. There was nothing in their life that meant more than the calling and the petition and the drawing that Jesus had at that moment and at that time. They looked at him and they said, wherever you tell me to go, we'll do it. Wherever you lead, I'll follow. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. My parents, whenever they would leave us, they were going out of town, they would leave us with someone or maybe they had a date night and they left us with their grandparents or or a friend of the family. They would always tell us, you better do everything that they tell you. If they tell you to stand on your head, you better do it. Don't ask why. If they tell you to jump, ask them what? How high? All right, some of you guys have had the same conversation. All right? And this, was, this is what they were going through here. They looked at Jesus and they said, whatever you tell us to do, we're going to do it. We're going to follow your instruction. We are understanding that there's an urgency to the call that you are giving. Tonight, we need to hear the emergency call of God. We need to hear what he is saying to us. We need to hear the cry that he is making to us to reach 
those around us. And as Jesus' ministry began to come to a close, he meets with his disciples and he says to them this one last time, go, make disciples, teach all nations, baptize, pray, pray in my name and do miracles and signs and wonders are gonna follow. He tells his people, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait for, for the Holy Ghost to be poured out and I will give you power to go to heaven. No, no, no. I will give you power to be my witnesses. Whenever Jesus leaves his disciples, he leaves them with the understanding that there is something that they're supposed to be doing. He leaves them with a call and a direction that there's something that you're supposed to be doing and there's an urgency behind it that you've got to do it now. The followers of Christ understood after Jesus' death that the call, that there was a call and that there was an urgency to that call. That after he said to go, that immediately the disciples went. After the Holy Ghost was poured out, they went out into the streets and began to share that gospel. We talked about it this morning, that 3,000 were added to the church that day. Immediately they began to establish churches and preaching points and evangelizing and taking missionary trips. There was an urgency to the call that they understood. And when he was gone, they went and they did what he called them to do. Well, I want you to understand that it may be years and thousands of years later, but that there is still today a call that Jesus is giving to this generation that God is pouring out upon this generation to go and to preach and to teach and to witness and to pray and evangelize and make disciples. The call is still being poured out today and we need to open our ears, our ears to hear the cry of our city tonight. There are people that are calling out for help all around this city, but where are the responders? There are people that are needing us, that are sitting in their homes tonight, that feel like there's nowhere else to turn, who tomorrow we will work beside, who tomorrow we will go to school with, and they are needing our help, and they are crying out, but where are the responders? Where are the responders? There are people all around us each and every day that are begging for deliverance, that, that really they just want to know what it is, what the secret to your life is. But why aren't we responding? And I'm saying we. I'm not, I'm not trying to, to take this, this microphone and, and bash anyone or, or hit anyone with it tonight. I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm saying we because I'm in the same boat. Why am I not responding? It's so easy for us to get caught up in the work of the Lord and not do the work that the Lord has called us to do. That's more of a statement for a for a minister, but here around the church, it's easy, and there's nothing wrong with what we've done here with the baptistry and the painting and 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 the, and the rocks, and we put up some new lights downstairs. We're going to start a bathroom renovation soon, and all of these things are going on, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But if we get so caught up in doing this quote work of the Lord around His house, but we aren't doing the work that the Lord has called us to do, we are failing miserably as ministers and as a church. There is a call that. 
God has given us to reach and to go and to make disciples and to bring people to the house and to preach to them on the streets and to have Bible studies with them at lunch. And in everything that you do, we should be doing the work of the Lord. We've got to hear the call. But not only do we have to hear it, we have got to respond. The world has gotten so busy and so loud. There are many things that are buying for our attention and for our time. But I'm here to tell you that whenever I was, I, I worked on a, on a real small volunteer fire department at a time. And, and, and no matter what we were doing, we could have been just sitting down to dinner. Whenever the pager would go off, I carried a little pager. And whenever it went off and said that there was an emergency somewhere, everything else went on hold. The TV was muted and conversations were stopped. People knew whenever that thing made a sound that they were to stop talking and let me hear what was going on because there was an emergency that was happening somewhere. And we need to get in that same mindset that as things are going on around us and as we are getting wrapped up in this fast-paced world that we are living in today, that we not just go through the motions and the routine of the day, but in everything that we do that we are looking for those that are crying out and we are looking for those that are hurting and those that need what we have. Each and every day we need to live our lives this way. We need to hear the hurting in our community and respond to them with an urgency that says everything else can wait, but I must reach those that need help. There's been times, and I'm just sharing this, but there's been times that I have literally been in the drive-through at, at, a, at a, a fast food place and that those tones would go off and there would be an emergency somewhere and I would pull right out of the drive-thru. There were times that Danielle can attest to this that we'd be at the Walmart, all right? And, and, and we'd have a, a, a buggy full of, uh, of, of groceries or whatever it is that we're buying and that thing would go off and there would be an emergency and we'd leave it sitting in the aisle, come back later hoping it was there, some some poor guy working for Walmart's done gone around and put all of our stuff back. But no matter what was going on, we understood. I understood that there was an emergency that was taking place, that nothing else mattered at that moment. When we are talking about lost souls and hurting people and a call to salvation, this is not, church, this is not a non-emergency call. This is something with urgency that we should be answering each and every day. Our pleasure, our career, our entertainment, our life, it can all wait. And I'm not preaching against careers or entertainment. But what I want you to understand is that everything else in our life is secondary. And the first thing that we should be worried about is answering the call of God to go and to reach and to do the work he has called us to do. That should be our priority. In everything that we do, in everything that we do, we should be looking and listening for those that are needing help that are needing something that only we can give them. There's a world of people, and I've heard this said before, that God has not called us, it would be impossible for, for one person to reach the entire world. 
but that God has called you to reach your world. There are people that you come in contact with. Brother Lowe, there's folks that you work with that I will never meet, that I will never pass, that I will never talk to, but that you have been put in a place to reach. And that if each and every one of us would reach our world, if we would all reach our world, we would be doing the work that God has designed us to do. There's there's a lot of people that get all worked up and, and beside themselves and discouraged because, well, there's no way that I can make that big of a difference. There's no way that I could reach the entire world. God has not called you personally to reach the entire world. Just reach your world. Just reach those that are around you. And everything that you do, every day we should, be, we, we, we should be looking for the opportunity to answer this emergency call. A lot of times I, I, don't, I don't think of, of myself as a Bible study teacher because I, I rarely have ever done a, a chart type Bible study. Actually, some time ago, Pastor asked, he said, anyone who's, who's taught a Bible study last year, I want you to stand up. And I did not stand because uh, at the time I was thinking the chart Bible studies. You know, I was thinking, you know, I don't think last year that I sit down in someone's living room and taught a home Bible study. But as, as I began to think about that, there's, there's many times in, in, in places, in places of work and, and, and just through interaction with people that I had, that we would begin to have conversations about things in the Word of God. And I would begin to talk to them, and they would begin to ask questions. And before we knew it, literally there were times, uh, uh, truck to truck, we'd be sitting in a parking lot somewhere just talking through the windows to each other. And before I knew it, I'm telling you, it would be an hour and a half and two hours we'd be sitting there talking, not about... The, the, the deer that we're planning to, to kill next year or, or next season or this season. But we were talking about the things of God. We were having a Bible study in the parking lot there because I was able at a time, and this is not a pat on my back, but I was able at the time to hear the cry. In the conversation, I could hear that he was, he was asking for help, that he needed something, and luckily I was there to answer that call. To answer the questions, to do the work that God has called us to do. We say it and we say it, but I wonder if we really believe, believe it that we are living in the last days. We really, I believe, have a limited amount of time to reach those around us. Our family and our friends, those that we come in contact with each and every day. We, we have just a limited amount of time to reach them. And this, I know this message that I'm preaching tonight is not a, it's not a fiery, you know, we're going to run around the building. But it's something that we all need to hear. And whenever I say we all, I mean myself as well. That we have a purpose and we have a call from God. And that it's not just something that whenever I get a chance, I'll, I'll get around to it. But it's a call that is urgent. That's urgent. There's an urgency. It's an emergency call that we have to answer. 
Jesus speaks very plainly about those who do not recognize the urgency of the call. And while the first disciples dropped everything that they had and began to follow Jesus, we find some other men in the Bible who did not understand the urgency. Luke chapter 9 we, we, we find some men here. It says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. We got the same wording here of, of what he said to his disciples that dropped everything and followed him. He said, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. He said, there's something more important that I've got to go take care of first. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. He said, I understand that this seems important. And I can't imagine telling someone, you don't have time to go and bury your father to to see off a loved one that has passed. But Jesus says there's nothing, I believe that he was trying to hammer in this point, there's nothing more important than going and doing the work that I've laid out for you. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me go and bid them farewell which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. There's nothing, church, there's nothing more important in our life. There's nothing more important that we can do. There's nothing more important around us than for us to reach the world, than for us to preach this gospel than for us to share the message of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than doing the work God has intended for us to do. He's saying, if you're going to do my work, I need you to understand that this isn't something that you can maybe do whenever you get the chance. That this isn't something that you can think about maybe whenever you graduate high school, I'll start reaching the lost. And it's not something that you can wait until you're financially stable to do or wait until the kids are out of the house or wait until you have completed fill in the blank, whatever it is. He's saying right now there is an urgent call to evangelize to reach, to go, to preach, to do my work. And everything else has got to be put on hold. Maybe there are some tonight that God in this house is even calling unto salvation. The outstretched, nail-scarred hands of Jesus are waiting for you to respond. And you're thinking in your mind, let me just first finish this. I don't care what it is or, or what your age is, your health or your status in life. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. And we must understand that the call that God has placed upon us to go and to do, that it is an urgent call that we must follow now. There's, there's an opportunity that we have each and every day for us to make a life changing experience to have a life changing experience with somebody that every day that, that we get up and, and we walk through this earth 
that God places people in our path. I believe that. I pray that each and every day. God, put someone in my path that I can reach. Put someone in my path that I can speak to. Lord, show me who they are. Open my eyes to see them. There's no telling how many people that we, and again, I'm putting myself in this, that we pass, that God has put in our path for us to talk to, to reach, that we may be their last hope. But because of all the things that are around us and all the things that are going on and all of the distractions, we don't hear the call. We don't hear the cry. I just pray, I pray that God would tarry long enough for us to be able to to hear that cry, to hear that call, to understand the urgency of the call to go and to reach and to do. Again, I'm 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 not sharing this tonight because I don't believe that we are that we are not doing this as a church. This is a growing church. I know that we are. But I know also in my own life and from my own experience that that I can do better. That we can all do better. That if we would open our eyes and our ears to hear and to see those around us that are calling out for help if we would respond to it with an urgency and as as it is the emergency that it really is, that there's a work that God is wanting to do if we would allow him to do it through us. I'm, I'm closing tonight. I'm coming to a close. If, if our musicians will come. I'm, I want to go back to our original text. The Bible says that James and John and Zebedee are all in this boat and that he calls out, the Bible uses, the, uses this terminology, he calls out to them. It lists three people that are out there. James, John, and Zebedee, their father. And the Bible says that he calls out to them. Some believe, I've heard this preached and and I, I did study of, of my own on it, and I, I believe that this may be true. That, that, but some, some believe, and myself included in that, that, that the call that was made to these three men were not just to James and John, but that he was calling out to the three, saying, come and follow after me. But there were only two that answered the call. I'm not sure how the conversation went between Zebedee and his sons, but I can imagine the reluctancy of their father turning away from everything that he had built, this empire. He, he, he's believed by scholars to be one of the wealthiest fishermen that would have been in that area, to turn away from this empire that he has built, to leave his entire life's work and everything that he has to leave to his family, to leave it to walk away. I can imagine his sons trying to tell him about the urgency. Dad, did you hear what he said? We, we only have so much time. There's an urgency here. We have to go. We have to help him reach this world. And I, maybe there was a time that Zebedee thought, I'll follow. But once the fish stop biting, I'll go then. If the company goes under, if it doesn't work out, then I'll follow. If I can just make it to retirement, son, I'll, I'll follow you guys. 
Then I will answer the call. Not realizing that the call that was being given was given was an urgent call. That the slow response would result in a response that was too late. Never again being mentioned in the scriptures. I, I, I've been through moments in my life. I've been through times where I've had people that I could reach and I did not. There was a friend of mine in high school that he was connected to our church. He had connection to our church. And each and every day I would have fun. I would be entertained with him. We would do things and some things we probably shouldn't have done. I was, I was a teenager in high school. Never once do I ever remember inviting him to church. Never once do I ever remember sitting down with him and sharing a Bible study with him. I was in a time and a place whenever I felt like all of our lives were ahead of us, that, that I did not recognize the urgency of the call that was on my life and the urgency of the call that we had to reach. We graduated high school in just two short years after our graduation. His name was Ricky Bell. He enlisted in the military. He got involved in this war in Iraq that we preached about this morning. And in August, just a couple years after our graduation, Ricky was in a helicopter that went down in Iraq. He lost his life. And it's not every day, but there are days that I think about that. And I think about the time that I spent with him and the fun that we had and the things that we did and how there could have been an opportunity for me to reach out to him. And say, Ricky, you want to go to church with me? It's that simple. You want to go to church with me tonight? Ricky, do you go to church anywhere? Have you ever been baptized in Jesus' name? There were all these opportunities and times that I spent with him that I could have done that. But what it boils down to is that I did not recognize the urgency of the call. I did not recognize how important it was that I do this. I felt like our lives, that we had our whole lives ahead of us. When in all reality, I should have been responding to the call. I should have been responding to the call. Zebedee is later, James and John are later called the sons of thunder. And some, some believe that this is a reference to their father. That he could have been the greatest disciple of all times. That he could have been the, the greatest evangelist and, and the one to lead the church into places that it had never seen before. But he refused to answer the call. And I don't know if it was that he refused or if it was just a reluctancy to understand the urgency of that call. But tonight, we need to understand, and if you'll stand with me right now, we need to understand that there is a call that God has given us, each and every one of us, to go, to reach, to make disciples. Whenever Jesus is telling, is telling his disciples to go and to make disciples, there was not an expiration on that, on that command. It was a command that would go from generation to generation to generation until we have made it to O'Fallon, Missouri, 2019, sitting right here in the lighthouse. The call is still being given. The call is still effective. The call is still here for us tonight. We have to understand the urgency 
of the call. And we have to go and we have to do what God has called us to do. We have gotten this call, received this call to preach, to teach, to reach, to pray, to allow God to work through us. And we have to answer it. I, I told the team before service that I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to end this, if we were going to have an altar or we were just going to go and, and, and receive the word. But I, I want us right now just to lift our hands where we are. And I want us to make a commitment to God. Lord, we hear the call. God, we understand that there's a call that you have given us. Lord, but help us, God, to hear that call. Help us, Lord, right now to understand what it is that we're supposed to do. Each and every day, God, put those people in our path. Lord, lay those people out before us. Lord, but open my ears to hear the call. Open my ears to hear the cry of our city. Open our ears to hear the cry of the people around us, God, and for us to answer that call. In the name of Jesus, help us, Lord. I, I, I do. I, I feel like I would. I would be abyss to not open up these altars to anyone who would like to come and, and to make that commitment to God. God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do. I'm going to work the way you've called me to work. I'm going to reach those that you've placed in my life to reach. Come on, I'm telling you right now, there's a revival that God has poured out on this city and he's poured out on this church and he's waiting on those that have enlisted for the work to do the call that he, or to do the work that he has called us to do.